We're talking about missions. We're talking about missions tonight. Our key verse is Mark sixteen fifteen. Can we uh, can we say this together out loud slowly? You ready? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What an assignment. When we, when we think about this, it's just, it would absolutely uh, be overwhelming unless we all join together on this. And that's exactly what, what the word is saying. In your notes, in the progression of the Great Commission, as individuals and churches are revived, then we involve ourselves in personal evangelism on the local level, which will in turn spread outward to home missions and to foreign missions. When, when we look at this, there's a key word that we must all remember, and that is progression. Progression. I love what pastor says so many times. He said, I'm not, I'm not as interested in your present location as direction, as direction, as we, as we are moving forward. And this is one thing that we need to remember in our personal lives, in our walk with God. The word progression is so very important. Just continue the progress. Just continue. Just in our individual lives. There are so many people that get so frustrated because in their walk with God, they're expecting quantum leaps. That does not happen like that. I have often said that that Jesus did many miracles. You know that, but he never laid his hand on a baby and turned it into an adult. And we need to, we need to look at how God is working in our lives. Do not be frustrated where you are right now if you're moving forward. Now, if you're just settled or looking backward, you need to be very frustrated. But if you're moving forward, if you're in progression, that is exactly the position that God wants you in. So the call is to go. It is a mandate for everyone. And go is an action word. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This, this particular passage does not confuse us. Uh, it doesn't make us nervous at all because we're people with a message that is a message that ties from Genesis to Revelation. We, we do not pole vault through the Word of God. It all has to connect. So any scripture that will ever be spoken to you, even if it, um, even have, if you have to think about it, don't, don't get nervous about it. Just study more. It all has to fit. Everything in the Word of God has to fit. When we're talking about going, and the Bible clearly says, go do this. Go do what? Go teach and baptize. Baptize how? In the name. In the name. And so that is exactly what they did. They did this in Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, and 22. 
I'm, I'm kind of diverting here just a little bit from the lesson. I'll get back on track with it. But in Acts 2.38, it was in the name of Jesus Christ. In 8.16, it was in the name of the Lord Jesus. In 10.48, it was in the name of the Lord. In Acts 19.5, in the name of the Lord Jesus. 22.16, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So you, we cannot go to baptism in the Word of God and come up with any other formula than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's where it was. But it says to go and teach and baptize. It doesn't just say baptize. It also talks about teaching. And in Matthew 28 and 20, I just read 28, 19. You don't have the 28, 20 uh, reference, but if you go to, to that next verse and you continue reading it, it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so when we're talking about teaching, the, the commission is go, teach, and baptize. Obviously, there's more baptisms than just water. There's also spirit baptism. So when we are seeing baptism in the Word of God, let's make sure that, that we put those together. I commend you for being here on Wednesday night because it is a, a teaching session. Um, teaching is so very important. If we do not hear teaching, if we do not study the Word of God, we will never be mature, and I'll, I'll really tell you where we will be. If you just go for preaching, if you just go for worship services, there is no, there's no other way than, than you just being frustrated in your walk with God. You've got to engage in teaching. It's not just that that we hear teaching, but we must teach. We must teach. There's there's official teaching like is going on right now, or uh, some of you, uh, Brother Wallace and others, Brother Lil and others who take charts into people's homes, or you know different types of Bible studies. There there is that, but. What we must do is we must always be looking for the opportunity that the Spirit is allowing the door to open to teach. To teach. We, we have to allow the Spirit of God to really work on us in this way to be able to know when the, and these two words are very critical, teachable moment. Teachable moment. Um, we we know this in parenting, and we learn it sometimes too late when you know we think we've just got to be teaching all the time, all the time, all the time. Of course, this is age appropriate, but then there are those teachable moments. As children of God, as people of the Word, we must be looking for opportunities to teach. Teaching can be one sentence. At the right time. It could be one paragraph. It could be a conversation. 
obviously, we want to move to where we are having many, many teaching points around this entire region. There's churches, there's preaching points, there's daughter works, but I think we really need to focus on teaching points to where we are going and doing exactly what the Bible says, go, teach, and baptize. One uh, section of the uh, Knowledge Project that, that I like, even though I'm very literal, and that is the Imagine section of the Knowledge Project. Um, I am quite literal whenever it comes to the Word of God, but I, but I do like uh, the, the uh, thoughts that this section brings in, in our lessons. This one dealt with Jonah. I want to give just a little bit of, of backstory, uh, even more than what this particular uh, writing says. But Jonah was, was told by God to go to a wicked city of Nineveh and cry against it. Uh, I, am, I am not assuming anymore in my teaching that uh, everybody just knows a story. Because there are just a lot of people who do not know these stories. And so Jonah was was told by God to go to this wicked city, cry against it. Uh, he had enough knowledge of that city to know that this could be very troublesome, maybe even the end of his life. And so he was fearful and literally went the other direction. He gets on a boat and he, he takes off and then God decides that he is going to go there and he is going to be the voice and you just don't want to be... Uh, on the outs with God because God like has, I, I like a sign that's in our office. Melanie put up, God is never out of options and he's not out of options. And so he sends a storm and gets them all shaken up real good. And finally Jonah gets thrown over and the, he finally talked the men into throwing him over and God had prepared a big fish. We refer to it as a well, but I don't believe the Bible says well, maybe it does. I think it says great fish. And, and he swallows him. You say, ah, it's, that's a crazy story. There's a lot of those in the Bible. There's a lot of crazy stories in the Bible. The Bible's really an exciting book when, when you think about it. And so that, that fish swallows him and, and he gets a uh, self-guided tour back to the shore of Nineveh and, and he gets, let's see, how can I say this nicely? He, he gets deposited on the bank. Have you ever thought about what he looked like? Probably, you probably don't want to think a, a lot about what he, he looked like. So, so there he is. And then he finally gets around to delivering the message, yet 40 days and then of us shall be overthrown. And that, that got their attention. They stopped doing what they were doing and, and whatever kind of awkwardness or embarrassment Jonah had to get over, he, he finally did, and he begins to, to preach. I don't know what he was expecting, but they were not making fun of him. As a matter of fact, he got to feeling pretty good about that. And there he is, and everybody responds. I mean, even, even to the king. Everybody gets put on a fast, and uh, Jonah, Jonah's obedience resulted in the preservation of the entire city. Put yourself in that situation. 
I mean, what would it be like if, if God, if we felt that God said, go to um, the front of Cheddar's in Terre Haute and start crying against Terre Haute? What, I mean, I mean, like if God really told you, you know, uh, Jamie, I'll, I will use, I will use you since you need to repent. Uh, if, if God, if God said, you know, Jamie Lill, front of Cheddar's, screaming that Terre Haute has 40 days. What, I mean, what would, what would that be like? I don't know that God is ever going to ask any of us to do that. I'm not going to say he's not, but I, I don't know that he will. And I don't know that he will call us to, uh, the country of Brazil instead of the city of Brazil that I live in. The country of Brazil or Paris, France or wherever. I don't, I don't know that he's going to do that, but we do know this. We are told to go. We are told to go. This is very uncomfortable. Uh, I know that it's, that it's very uncomfortable. The very, the very fact that, um, we struggle to go to the level that we should in one way or another, which we will talk about, is proof that, that this is a struggle. So let's talk about this mission since, since we have it of God. What is, what is missions? In a biblical theo- uh, theology of missions, George Peters defines missions as the sending forth of authorized persons beyond the borders of the New Testament church and our immediate gospel influence to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in gospel destitute areas, to win converts from other faiths or non-faiths to Jesus Christ, and to establish functioning, multiplying local congregations who will bear fruit, the fruit of Christianity in that community and in that country. Hudson Taylor, if you read much about, about general missions you would find his name. And he said this, it will not do to say that you have no special call to go to China. With these facts before you and with the command of the Lord Jesus to go and preach the gospel to every creature, you need rather to ascertain whether you have a special call to stay at home. Now, this is very true and if anybody in this church feels a call to missions, of course, uh, if you're feeling that greater call to go to another country, then the, the first thing you would do is, is you would talk to pastor about that because obviously uh, we, we don't just launch out like that. If your go call moves to that level, then there will definitely be a process that that will help you to decide for sure. The McLeods are here tonight. They, they just returned. They lived in Latvia for a while. Uh, the process of, of moving to that level of missions is quite a process. And, and there, there are ways that we would go about that. But what we've got to understand is is the internet has changed the face of, of missions. It, is, it has changed it. 
There are exchange students also that are in these colleges around us. And they all have families in, in other countries. We, we can literally reach parts of the world by allowing God to use us in a major way right here. There are a few of us that, that spend time uh, speaking with missionaries all over the world, uh, training or connecting with missionaries all over the world. I guess if we ever really realize uh, the, the power of the Internet. Now, the Internet can absolutely wreck people's lives. Uh, there's all kinds of, quote-unquote, trouble on it. But if we could ever look at today's Internet like the apostles looked at the Roman roads, we could move the gospel in a major way all around the world. But if we could focus on the foreigners, uh, I hope that's an okay uh, word to still use, but those that are from other nations that are here in, uh, in our nation, not just in our nation, in this Terre Haute area, it would absolutely be amazing what God could do globally from here. We were able to do work in a resettlement village in, in, the, in the Philippines, and it was just abject poverty, I mean, with sewage running in the streets, and it was that kind of a, of a thing. But that pastor of that church every Sunday, and he pastored a church, Melanie, it was 200, wasn't it? 200 people, uh, just an amazing church to, to be uh, in a service at, very powerful, powerful man of God. But on Sunday afternoon, he would go to the thatched internet, thatch roof, internet cafe in Hondamanan, resettlement village in the Philippines, and pastor a church at that time of 70 people in Japan. Just, I mean, to, to see the, the, the vision of that. And then over in Japan, you know, they're putting these people in, I may have told this before, but it fits here. Uh, they're putting these people in these 55-gallon drums full of water, and they're standing there. And by internet, Pastor Tom is saying, you know, uh, upon the confession of your faith, obedience to the Word of God, whatever he was saying. And then he would say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And they'd push him down that 55-gallon uh, drum and pick them out and put somebody else in. Now, I don't need to move past this too quick because I just felt a witness of the Spirit. We have got to lift up our eyes and, and look at the connections that God has for us. And we've got to think out of our boxes. We've got to think out of our boxes. We'll talk more about that. When we consider the Great Commission of Mark 16, 15, we need to remember it was the instruction given to the 11 apostles with the understanding. Now, think about this. Let's get this. And it's so interesting that it was given to 11 apostles. I think I have this right. If I'm wrong, I'll correct it at some point. But I heard somebody say that 11 men started communism. 
Now, that didn't hit me till I was just teaching and saw 11 apostles again. I'll check that out. But it was just a few men that started communism. I can't say just a few men. I'd have to say a few sold out men. And so when the instruction was given to 11 apostles with the understanding that they would in turn pass it on to each individual believer, we literally must do the same. It's all nations. That's what we're speaking of, all nations. And there's many more to tell. All nations means every nation in the world. It means all religions, all genders, all walks of life, all. It's literally the globe is our mission. Now, according to the Census Bureau, as of last month, there are an estimated 7.97 billion people on earth spread across across 196 nations. In the U.S. alone now, as of last month, there are 338,359,137. However they come up with all that, I have no idea. That's what they're saying. But here's what we have to do. We have to think internationally and act locally. We've got to get this. We think internationally, but we must act locally. Have you ever heard of the term six degrees of separation? You ever heard of that? Here's what it's saying. It's this study, this thought, is that the world is much smaller than we, than we think it is. It's like if all of us took everybody that we know, every acquaintance, every friend, okay, everybody we know, and then they all took, we all took everybody that we know. They took everybody they know. They took everybody they know. They took everybody they know. And by the time that was done six times, they say that we would be connected all over the world. Can this be proven? I don't know how it could be proven, but there's a lot of things that's proven that I have no way of knowing how they prove it. But I think we could all say this. If we went through six degrees of separation, it would be multitudes. It'd be millions of people. Can, can we, can we agree to that? So the reality is, is if we would just focus on our acquaintances and our friends, with this understanding, again, thinking globally, acting locally. Thinking globally, acting locally. Well, how can that be? It, it starts with neighborhood connection. Intentional neighborhood connection. I'm not talking about going around every every door in your neighborhood and knocking on the door, and when they answer, say, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Or knock on the door, or get sanctified, or French fried, or what all of those different whatevers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making connection in our neighborhood. I'm, can you imagine what could happen in this area if every one of us, at least once a week, and I have not done this enough, I got to get on it, did it the other day, done it the last couple of weeks. 
if we would walk, do a prayer walk in our neighborhood. A prayer walk in our neighborhood. Now, one thing I do a lot driving into the neighborhood, I do prayer drives. I pray over different houses. If, if we would just start, what, what are we doing there? We're thinking globally. We're acting locally. That's exactly what we're doing. How many people from other lands are connected maybe in our, our neighborhoods? We have no idea who is connected to who. And so again, think globally, act locally. When we talk about the call to missions in your notes, everyone is called to missions. Everyone. Who is called? Everyone is called. We see this in Romans 9, 24. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Second Thessalonians 2, 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We're all called. Everybody is called. And I can tell you one reason why people that are born again, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt you or, or any of that, but one reason why we've got so much frustration in born again people is we don't, we're not acting on what we've been called to do. We're not acting on what we have been called to do. I want to tell you, answering the call to go will take so many petty things in our life and flush it. There, there'd be so many aggravating things that are aggravating us that if, that if we would lean into the call to go, they, they would, fa- it would literally fade away. This, this is a life changer. Paul is often called the first missionary. Others label the disciples as the first missionaries and still others go as far back as Abraham, but we can really go back to Adam and Eve. Because they were the first humans called by God to live out the mission of reflecting the glory of God. They were the first ones. So a long time before sin corrupted the earth, and and ages before churches painted Matthew 28 on banners for their missions conferences, uh, God called Adam and Eve to be his missional agents. And men and women are the creatures he created to act out on his behalf in this world. Mission is literally rooted in creation. Mission goes all the way back. It's, it's not just simply about correcting sin. It's what God created us to do as human beings. God literally called Adam and Eve to reflect his glory by acting on his behalf with all of creation. Here's, here's what it was. They were to care for the animals and the garden as God would. That's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to care for it just like God would. They were to develop it just like God would. God told them to be fruitful and to multiply and to show their children and grandchildren who he is and and what he cares about. 
They were literally to reflect the glory of God with all their words, with all their deeds. They were called upon by God to be the priest over all creation, to represent God to creation and represent creation to God. Now, let me slow down a minute here. We're talking about this go mission, but we can go all the way back to creation to understand how this mission and how God wanted to use people and how God designed it if we will just flow with it. And I'm just telling people right now, there's a lot of power that God wants to flow through us. There's a lot of power that God wants to flow through us. There's, there is so much that God has for us He just wants us to be a channel, a channel. Well, when we look at this, we understand that we're all called, even children are called to missions. And the story is told in the book, uh, The Guide to Short-Term Missions. It's it's a neat story. It's about uh, how, as a matter of fact, I will just, I'll quickly read it because it's just a great story. It's probably in your notes. And I know that speaking, it's probably not good to just read as much as I am here, but I don't want to mess this story up. He was saying in the book, our job was to go door to door, distributing food and clothing and telling people about the services of the Good Samaritan mission. My 10 year old son and I knocked on the dilapidated trailer door I didn't notice the spray paint on the outside walls with the words Latin Kings until four muscular guys answered the door with scowls and suspicious looks holding objects behind their backs. This is not a good situation right here, but this is what happened. Hola, I said at precisely the same moment I realized this was the Latin King Gang's headquarters. Tristan stood in front of me, my hands on his shoulders, tensed. I wanted to pull him back and run. But Tristan, unaware, began telling them in Spanish while we were there. They brightened and smiled at the sound of his sweet, natural Spanish. It was not the last time I felt thankful for Maxwell Elementary Spanish Immersion School. One gang member came outside with us. I had Tristan ask if he would like for us to read to him the gospel presentation we had brought with us. See, he said, and he sat down in the dust. I speak little Spanish, but as I heard the gospel presented with a child's cadence to a Latin King gang member, apparently illiterate, I listened to a bigger thing going on. Tristan looked so small and impotent next to the large gang member. When one of our group picked up this man that night and brought him to our church service, I was not surprised when he gave his life to Christ. Not surprised because I found over time that when we risk, here's the key, our pride, our time, our money, even our lives, God works no matter how childlike we look. And that's so true. Isn't it interesting? I know I've taught here. I think I've, I've taught on it and I may have even mentioned it in preaching, you know, about king, king, kingdom, kingdom entry and kingdom life. When you look at kingdom entry, we immediately think, I say we immediately think, many of us do, that we go to John 3 and 5, that unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. 
Well, it doesn't just stop there. I think there's about six, six things, six maybe, around six things that says that, that you've got to do this to enter the kingdom. And of course, John 3 and 5 is the first one in the Bible that is listed there. And we feel like that that's the most important. But another one on there is except you become like a little child. And the challenge of that is, is that we would all, in, in this way of thinking, grow up and be a child. That we would grow up and be a child. I know that that sounds like reverse thinking, but when we're talking about the kingdom, that's exactly where we are, and we know that, that children have a call also. We know it's our responsibility. This message comes through over this pulpit all the time about the responsibility we have to our children to, to teach them, to talk to them, to train them, to get them in the flow to where they can just grow up being used to this. But I'm telling you, there's a lot our children can do. I'm, I'm talking about the age group that's not even in this building right now. And God help us not to be guilty of under-challenging our kids. Help Now, I'm not talking about over-challenging. I'm not talking about choking them down. I'm not talking about putting weights on them they cannot bear. I'm talking age-appropriately. But God help us not to under-challenge. What I'm hearing, and I'm glad the hyphen group is, is in here tonight, because some circles that I've been in, uh, lately in teaching and training and just attending and listening uh, to some to some people that are very very tied into what the spirit is saying today and it is absolutely amazing how much I'm hearing the hyphen age the hyphen age what God is saying right now to the hyphen uh, one well Mark Morgan Mark Morgan ministered here uh, everybody pretty much knows him um, uh, he was, I was in a meeting listening to him talk a couple of weeks ago and he was like, he, he was like, God is just, God is just saying the hyphen is the army. The hyphen is the army. Um, God is, is reaching in a major way to the hyphen group. So when we're saying children, obviously you're young adults, but we've, we've got to get this thing right that everybody has the call to go. And, and hyphen, and I didn't, didn't mean to point you out right here, but this is the reason why you got to get this going before you choose your life partner. I mean, this, this is the reason why you, you got to get this focused before you start deciding what you're going to do with your life and who you're going to spend your life with. Now, this, this go thing has to be in your spirit. Because I promise you this, those, those that get that right before they marry and those that try to get that right after they marry, world of difference. World of difference. And so it's, we all have the, the call to go. It's to all of us. It's to the children. It's also number two, if you're in your book, the adult is called to missions. Galatians 1.15 speaks of it. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, 
uh, when when we we look at even uh, more in that book, Guide to Short-Term Missions. Elizabeth Elliot, she's the wife of a missionary who uh, was killed by the people he was trying to reach. She said that in her part of the book, she said that, that our use of language tends to glorify missionaries. When people write about missionaries, she notes they use mythical language, like missionaries don't go, they go forth. Doesn't that sound just a lot more important? Uh, they don't walk. They tread the burning sands. That sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, what sounds better? Well, they walked. They, they were just walking along. Or they were treading the burning sands. She's talking about how people refer to missionaries. They don't just die. I mean, missionaries don't just die. They lay down their life. Right? She said with this cultural hype, it's no wonder we don't know how to treat missionaries when we meet a live one. Many unfairly place missionaries on pedestals when it's discovered that missionaries are ordinary people with ordinary problems. Respect for missionaries can come crashing down. And yes, most missionaries I know are heroes but only because they are ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And that's what we have to get a hold of. That's what we have to get a hold of. Do you know that the gifts of the Spirit want to operate through you two and through me? Do you, do you know that, that in the Bible it talks about these signs shall follow them that have been approved by global missions? These signs shall follow them who either have their local license, their general license, or or ordained. These signs shall follow them if they're the senior pastor of the church. No, these signs shall follow them that believe. You go and study out Acts 6, 7, and 8, I believe it is. Acts 6, 7, and 8. Go whenever, Whenever we... Whenever we start embracing this kind of a thing, when, when the supernatural starts flowing through us in different ways away from here, I've had a couple of conversations lately sitting at, at uh, tables with, with non-apostolics. I had one last week. And it, and it's, I'm not going to go into too much. I, I don't need to go into too much. But when I tell you that in a casual conversation, God opened the door and, and the Spirit of God visited Delish Cafe. Just, just, op- just opening up to somebody who's hungry, they just don't quite know exactly what it's all about. That's what I'm talking about. Go. Go. No person reaches a certain spiritual state and becomes qualified to be a missionary and work in missions or support missions. Actually, the process works in reverse order. Once a person responds to a burden 
and a vision for the saving of the nations and realizes the monumental task at hand and increased intimacy with God follows. When, when, we, when we flow in this and we depend on God, when, when we, if our dependence on God is small, uh, if, if our dependence on God is great, he, He's going to meet any of it. But what we have to do is realize that He he is the one that wants to use us. Like, and, and time is moving away, and I'm going to pick up the speed here a little more. But if we can ever get to where we realize that God, 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 the God, the God of heaven, the God, the creator, the one that is never out of options, never, in any of our situations, he's never out of options, and that God wants to use us, us. And if we can ever get to where we will quit doing the Gideon thing, well, not me, you, you know, you got the wrong one, or the Moses thing. I mean, Moses is literally standing there and a bush is burning and it's not being consumed and he's, and he's talking negatively. Like, nope, you missed it. Gideon, an angel, mighty man of valor. Not me, who, what, no, no, them. If we could ever just get past that and say where I am, like right now, what I look like, what I know, what I don't know, the house I live in, the car I drive, the clothes I have, now, now, my job, now, now, everything. Now, if if we ever can jump over all of that and just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave tomorrow and I'm going to dial out a lot of the confusion that's distracting me and I'm going to go about my day with my eyes, bigger vision, thinking the harvest, thinking how God wants to use me. God, I'll do it. Just try that tomorrow. Just try it tomorrow and see if, if God doesn't help you to see something. It could be inside your own house. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be on your job, whatever. All, all God is doing is he's just, he's just wanting somebody. Just somebody. You don't have to be a big deal, David. You really don't have to be lad with some fish and bread. You, you really don't have to be a big deal, Moses, with a rod in your hand. Uh, what she's done, she broke the alabaster box. That was not the big deal. You've heard me say that. It was she hath done what she could. It's not go out and buy alabaster boxes. It's let's do what we can. With what we have, if it's a rod, if it's fish, if it's loaves, if it's this, whatever, let's just use what we have. And so our third point is the church is called to missions. Romans fifteen twenty five and uh, 26. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Acts eleven twenty nine. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Now we're seeing how the church as a corporate body, everybody, children, adults, and now everybody is needed for 
this, this missions. Everybody is needed. It's congregations who make disciples at home and not just among the nations. It's multi-ethnic communities. It's people who understand the complexities of crossing cultures. He was speaking into that church. Because churches who are about the work of evangelism and evangelism training, we, we need fellowship that are generous. We, we need people that are willing to share their financial resources. And even that people that will share their best leaders. That's the mindset of this church. That's the mindset of this church. And so when we're talking about what all that, that we can do, what, what we need to do is get all in on missions as a, as a church. So our response to missions, let's, let's talk now to where it comes down to response. We must act. And I'm moving into close right now with this lesson. Response. Okay. We've heard about missions. We've heard about who spoke. We've heard about the call. It's all ages. It's everybody. How do we do it? Well, number one, we gather information. We, if we learn all we can about specific missionary situations. You see, I've, I've talked about this church being a three-dimensional church, right? It's a church that's making a difference locally, regionally, and globally. That's what every church needs to be. This church is answering that. We need to take it further than that. Every family needs to be a three-dimensional family to where we make a local, a regional, we could say neighborhood, and a global difference. Every individual, we all need to be three-dimensional people. Let's not allow our vision. Hey, listen, it's not about amount. It's not, the issue is not amount. The, the issue is principle. It's not amount. It's principle. This is the reason why we teach our kids to tithe when their tithing is only a dime. It's not about amount. It's about principle. Well, missions is, is the very same way. So, so we learn. I believe that God, God can lay a particular country on a family. And, and you, you pray for that, for that family. You learn about that country. You learn about that missionary family. And then, of course, then we fast and pray. Luke 10 and 2, therefore said he unto them, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, he asked for prayer. He was, he was saying, pray for us. And then the third thing is, is we give financially. We pray that God will specifically direct us where and, and how to give of our finances. The fourth thing I'm talking about, these are things that we can all do. The fourth thing is we encourage missionaries through personal communication. You know, water always works best with the lid off. We encourage missionaries through personal communication. Loneliness is an enemy of a missionary on foreign soil. Loneliness is an enemy to elderly people and shut-ins a part of this church. But, 
And so communicating with them and them knowing that, that you're praying for them means a lot. We could also become a missionary short or long term. There are different ways to, to do this. And again, if you feel directed to that, then uh, that would start with a conversation with pastor before it would go any further. So now let's bring it home. We've got seven minutes to bring it home. You ready? Next Sunday, right here, is All Nation Sunday. It's our yearly, it's our yearly focus. You were given a handout in your newsletter Sunday when you came in. There's just a few things I would like to remind you about that. On this Sunday each year, our emphasis is on national, international evangelism. This is our united effort to go. This is New Life's united effort. We will answer that this Sunday, and there will be a mighty man of God standing in this pulpit that you will, you will want to hear. We presently, as an organization, have 691 missionaries. Uh, we are in 232 nations and territories. There are 13 countries that, that we still need to place missionaries in. We can be a part of that this, this Sunday. We have North American missions, which we call NAM, uh, and our pastor is, uh, leads that effort for the District of Indiana. And NAM partners with established churches to plant uh, new churches in North America, in the United States and Canada. And global missions and North American missions have both answered that call to go. And that's what this Sunday is going to be about. It's a, it's a very focused time. But we can't all go physically, but we have a part in World Harvest by sending missionaries with our finances to the, the field. So here's what's going to happen. Sunday will be our opportunity to get involved by giving a one-time sacrificial offering. If you've, if you've been a part of this, you know the history and how to do this. But we have new people. And so we will give a sacrificial offering, and then we will make a 12-month commitment pledge that will be renewed next year at this time. This is, this is what we do. And we, we pray for God to lead us. We pray for God to speak to us. And then we, and then we do what, what he says. With the conditions of our world right now, um, finances are needed more than ever. And when we, when we look at this and when we look at a missions commitment, it's so important to understand that this is a scriptural plan of giving based on the apostolic method. It's a spiritual covenant between the giver and God. Let's get this right. This is not like a pledge where we're making that just based on our ability. But when we're talking about a missions commitment, we're talking about we're basing this on the ability that we know that God will provide. Is this making sense? So we, we don't need to go into Sunday thinking, Okay, now hold on just one second. I think I can do X. I think I, I think I, I think I. This Sunday approach is not about I, I, I. It's about God. Okay. How can we partner together and what are you, you thinking? And when we do this, 
we exercise a level of faith in our in our stewardship. If you're if you're not um, if you're not giving monthly, I would challenge you to make that a part of your giving to missions monthly from now until you die. Now I know every year, every year we renew the the pledge, but th- this is something that we need to decide that this will be a monthly part of my giving, amount between you and God. That's that's not, but the principle of go is a principle that we are all called to do. We need to go. And we go in, in, in different ways. I am absolutely excited about where we are and how God is, is moving and the direction that God is giving. But New Life family, I'm, I'm a part of you. We're all in this together. The quickest way for us to shut down what what God is wanting to do is to stop. Is to stop. We we have to go from level to level. We have to go from dimension to dimension. We, it's forward. It's progress. It's process. But the great thing is, we will never have to take a step alone in any of this. If it's connecting with our neighbor, if it's deciding what we're going to give, it doesn't matter. We do not have to take one step alone. God wants to provide. The word tells us if we lack wisdom, we ask. If we lack wisdom for our, our life on a decision, we ask. If we lack wisdom on what we need to do and how we need to position ourselves, we ask. If, if we lack wisdom on how much to give, we ask. If we lack, we ask. We ask. In every area of our life, we just ask. And so we need to get to asking because we need to be empowered to be able to go. Amen? Amen. Can we all stand together? And what we're going to do right now is we're going to thank God for his word. And then we're going to ask God to give us the direction that, that we need and the promptings that we will be able to go the way he intends for us to. Can we all lift our voice right now and pray together? Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your word, your direction, the clarity of your word. And as we're at this, this particular day moving towards Sunday, it's one of the most important days of our church family of the year. We're asking for your direction. We just ask, God. As a church family, we just ask. I pray right now for any of our church family members that are, are facing great struggle right now in the, area, in the area of their life. I pray, God, they will just stop and ask you what you would have them to do. I pray, God, you'll direct us. You'll, you'll give us the direction. And God, not only that we'll do it, but we'll just do it boldly, walking in the confidence that you give us. We thank you, God. We thank you. And we claim all this in Jesus' name.
Can the church say amen?